This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Blackness is the single most misunderstood construct in the U.S. That's the premise of the new book, Bet on Black, the good news about being black in America today. In it, readers learn more about how to lead a first-class black life, understand the power of representation, and invest in success no matter the challenges. The author of the book is Ebony K. Williams. She's an attorney, television and podcast host, and if you're a fan of the Real Housewives franchise, you'll recognize her name from season 13 of the New York lineup. Ebony says Bet on Black is a call to action for Black people around the world. I sat down with her yesterday and I started our chat by asking her what's bringing her joy right now. Well, in this exact moment, this glass of rosé, keep it a buck. Um, The success of my podcast, Holding Court with Ebony K. Williams, is giving me immense joy, uh, both critically and culturally acclaimed. Uh, We are so excited about our NAACP Image Award nomination. Awesome. Uh, Congrats. Thank you. Um, The show is nominated for Outstanding Podcast in News and Information. And, you know, to be nominated alongside Trevor Noah and other giant Tremaine Lee, you know, giants in the game, it means it means a lot. I am joyful around what was an incredible uh, first week of press for my new book, Bet on Black, including this interview with you, Sasha. You know, uh, I, I, I was joyful to sit at the table uh, that Barbara Walters built at The View last week. Uh, I was joyful to express my pride and reverence to my Black Studies degree, despite the uh, indictment of those who insist upon misunderstanding Blackness and its academic value. Uh, I'm joyful to have celebrated the launch of this book with friends and family at a you know intimate party that I threw myself on my pub day. Nice. Uh, and- People, yeah, that I've known for 20, 30 years um, who have just supported me uh, through the ups and the downs mm-hmm. um, and still standing uh, and making space for, for my gifts. I and love I that. It. Yeah. So you, you write uh, at the very start of the book, you uh, talk about your, quote, deep love affair with your blackness. And that mm-hmm. is despite the many, many racial injustices that we know have been formed against black people in America. And you lay them out, some of them throughout the text. What is it that keeps you so grounded while so much of what's happening around us is rooted in anti-Blackness? I have to credit my deep understanding, again, both academically and through lived experience of being a Black woman for almost 40 years now, uh, my actuality of understanding Blackness. That's where I have to lay the, the credit. See, people can't tell me about Blackness. So I am not vulnerable, unfortunately, like far too many of us are, uh, to drinking the Kool-Aid. You you can't sell me on a narrative of Blackness being anything other than powerful, incredible, feminine, beautiful, masculine, strong, vulnerable, tender, reverent, you know? Yeah. Those are the things I know Blackness to be because I listen to my ancestors, you know? I know, go tell it on the mountain, you know, like I know deeply and innately the truth about Blackness, and it is truly a good news story. Well, let's talk about your title. You call it Bet on Black. What do you mean by that? Make the investment, the conscious, consistent, and deliberate investment in leading with Blackness. That's what I mean when I say Bet on Black. Gone are the days of Blackness being secondary, Blackness being subsidiary, uh, I, as you know, have a bet on black move. Never, ever, ever let anybody make you their black sidekick. Yeah. You know, uh, and that's what I mean by bet on black. It, it is now 
opportune for us as Black people that happen to be fortunate enough to live in this America today versus America of yesteryear, where I think that the, the ancestors, uh, particularly of the civil rights era, uh, did a fantastic, brilliant job of negotiating Black positioning for that moment. The issue I, I take up in Bet on Black is that moment has expired. Those terms are no longer relevant. Mm -hmm. And now it's time to renegotiate and really resubmit the terms in which we will occupy our Blackness in this country today. And that is centered. Let me be very plain. It is the, the centering of Blackness and the leading of Blackness in any space and time we want to occupy. Yeah, I love that. Mm -hmm. Are the ideas that you've got presented in, in your book, are they applicable to other marginalized communities? I'm thinking of like the LGBTQ community and how so? Yeah, absolutely. And that was deliberately not espoused for too long. But there is an example in the book. I'm trying to think of which chapter. Maybe it's the um, council chapter. I'm not sure. But th there's an example in the book I give where I was boarding a, a plane, going to a friend's baby shower, looking a hot mess. <laughs> yeah, I remember that story. The case. Yeah, it's often the case when I'm I'm flying early. And unfortunately, this young man recognized me. Um, he was a, a flight attendant on my preferred airline. So that's a hint. Uh, he was a flight attendant on my preferred airline. He had to be 6'2", blonde, blue-eyed, you know, nice-looking young man. I say young because he couldn't have been more than 26. And he says, oh, my God, Miss Williams, you know, is that you? I was like, you know, shame to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> and he ended up just, you know, fanboying out and being so sweet and pleasant and nice and um, you know, just whatever. And I sat down and, and went on about my flight. And midway through the flight, Sasha, this young man gave me a note card that said, Miss Williams, that's how old Auntie E is. Miss <laughs> Williams, I just want to thank you because of how you centered yourself and your people as a Black woman on The Real Housewife season 13 of Roni. It gave me the power to say if she can stand in the face of that animosity and stand her truth, I can too. And it gave me the confidence and power to come out as homosexual to my family. Oh, wow. Um, and it was it was just one of those days, Sasha, I was already in my feelings because I was actually reading uh, 1619 Project on the flight anyway. So my emotions were already, you know, at the surface. And yeah. then for this young man, this white, gay young man to give me any credit in his owning who he is fully and completely within his own family circle, it touched me deeply. And it told me that the work is effective just how I want it to be. Because the work I do is, again, centering Blackness and leading with Blackness, make no mistake about it. But I understand the, the innate sense of interconnected humanity, which says, if I am to be free as a Black woman, my liberation as a Black woman is tethered to the, the liberation of queer people. Mm. It's tethered to the liberation of Muslim people. It's tethered to the liberation of Jewish people. And it's tethered to the liberation of trans people. So I deeply understand that. And so much of this book and so much of the work I do in the world is not about, <clears throat> it's not about doing right by Black people for the sake of doing right by Black people. It's about doing right by all people, specifically Black people, because your own humanity is tethered to it. It's yeah. an invitation to broaden your own humanity to fully liberate Black people. Well, you know, I think it's great how much of your personal story you do share in, in Bet on Black, because 
as your profile, as as someone who's been watching you for a while, uh, I think as your profile has gotten bigger through the TV programs and the reality shows, I think folks might think that they know you and that maybe they figured you out. So I'm curious what you think are some misconceptions about yourself that are out there that you'd like to clear up. Oh, I love to do this in an interview. Sasha, I'm going to ping pong your question right back to you. Yeah. As someone who has watched my career, and I, I am humble, humbly receiving of that, uh, what has been a misconception that maybe you've heard that either watching my work evolve mm-hmm. you, has cleared up or, again, just kind of probably knowing my work more deeply than most, especially now having read this book, yeah. you feel cleared up. Absolutely. So one thing that struck me from the get-go about you and that I I felt that I could relate to was your confidence. So Mm -hmm. I loved your boldness, your confidence. You were just, you owned whatever room you stepped into. I saw that as you transitioned to the television show, to the reality show. Um, I was equally as excited as you were when you announced that you were going to be part of the cast on Real Housewives. But then I was I was kind of shocked when I would see uh, blogs and things sort of talking about, oh, she's boring or, you know, because again, and I think you you mentioned that in the book, you weren't quite doing the things that we're used to seeing on the Housewives franchise. You weren't throwing glasses of wine. You weren't fighting. Wine is meant to be drank. It was, <laughs> right. Um, you, were t- you were taking them to Harlem. <laughs> you were teaching them about black history. How dare you? Um, yeah. You know, so I saw this mixed response from viewers. And it, it to me, again, as a, as a fan of your work, a longtime fan of your work, I was puzzled. So I wondered mm-hmm. if that bothered you um, and, and whether you thought that that was not the, the ebony you wanted to come across. No, as I lay out in the book, Sasha, especially chapter three, the disruption chapter, it was hurtful at first only because I didn't anticipate it. And maybe that's my my bad. That was me being maybe a bit naive. Um, but after a, a, a moment, I went ahead and filed and received my second divorce. So I say my first divorce was the divorce from white comfort. That happened in real time. Uh, it's been happening for years, but you really saw it come through to pass on the show. Yeah. And then in the airing of the show and reading, you know, some of those same comments and blogs that that you speak of and even having direct conversation with some of the bloggers. Really? Um, Yeah. Well, you know me because I'm not I'm not. So, you know, it's like if you if you feel away and I feel away because you feel away, we're going we're going to be grown and talk about it. Right. You know. Uh, And that's fine. So my second divorce was having to fully divorce myself from the expectation of collective agreement amongst my own black people about the way in which I show up in this world. I no longer need it. I no longer expect it. Um, And my work is God given. I am on a God assignment, not a pop culture assignment, right? not, 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 not a media takeout assignment, not a God bless Jason Lee, my good friend. It's not a Hollywood unlocked assignment, not a shade room assignment. I love my sword, Jasmine. It's not a jazz Jasmine brand assignment. Mm -hmm. I want a God assignment. And I've been given certain spiritual gifts to complete it. So. Yeah. Well, um, you wrote a book before this, Pretty Powerful. Yes. What were some of the biggest lessons you think you learned sitting down to write this one? I needed to go deeper this time. I needed to be more prescriptive this time. Um, Pretty Powerful is a great book. I love that book. I still stand by. Uh, I've been getting that question a lot on the book tour. Uh, you know, do I still stand by, you know, the sentiments I espoused? Mm-hmm. And pretty much absolutely. And toes down. But your writing's evolved. 
Would you my say? writing evolved a thousand percent. My perspective has evolved. I just literally have lived more life. Pretty Powerful came out six years ago. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I started writing Pretty Powerful like eight years ago. So if you haven't grown in eight years, something's wrong. Yeah. Um, so with Bet on Black, you know, I needed to go deeper. I needed to be more prescriptive. One of the chief points of critique I got from Pretty Powerful was great theme, great writing, great thoughts. Now what? What What are you telling us actually to do? So one of the things we do in Bet on Black is we put Bet on Black moves on the paper. There is no mystery to how to take up space. We tell you exactly how to take up the space. Right, at the there end of the no- chapters. Yeah, at the end of each chapter, we give you a bet on Black move. And if you are curious to know even more than this amazing book offers, and it is amazing in my spirit, we give you a whole resource guide at the back of the book where you can go to go to the text, as the preacher would say. You can go to Baldwin's work. You can go to Isabel Wilkerson's work. You can go to uh, W.B. Du Bois's The Souls of Black Folk, and you can get deeper even on these issues. Yeah. As we we talk about the the black experience in America and in in reading this book, I want to make sure that we note the unintended consequence or cost of sure. constantly having to push through these big challenges that we're facing, especially in recent years, right? And that's our mental health. So talk a bit more, Ebony, about that, and just tell us how you practice self care, especially right now. Yeah. So I couldn't write this book, Sasha, and talk about you know, like you said, the reality of being Black in America, which obviously includes trauma and heartache and collective grieving as we collectively still grieve Brother Tyree Nichols now, right? Yeah. I couldn't do that and not be totally transparent and candid with my own mental health journey, starting with the fact that I was deep in my writing process when one of my dearest friends and my my sweet darling little sister, Chesley Chris. Um, if the name sounds familiar, it's because she was Miss USA 2019. Mm. And she chose to throw herself off the 29th floor of a midtown Manhattan building, not far from where we're, I'm sitting at least right now. So tragic. Um, so tragic, still shocking, still shocking. Uh, yeah. If you ever had a loved one commit suicide, you know that time evolves. It doesn't necessarily heal. Uh, and and when you looked at Chesley, when we all look at Chesley, uh, and I knew her deeply and personally and talked to her all the time. So please, I know people mean well when they hit you with that check on your strong friend thing. Chesley was checked on all the time. Yeah. Su- suicidal nature, suicidal thought. Um, it's a condition. It's a real illness. And we need to get serious as a Black community about treating it as such. Yeah. We don't solve suicide in Black culture by sending text messages. We need to be honest and serious about it. So what do I do? Um, I believe in therapy. I've been, uh, you know, uh, in therapy on and off since I was an undergraduate at UNC Chapel Hill. That's where I first kind of realized something was a little bit wrong in terms of my ability to process and manage anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. Um, I proudly take and talk about my five milligrams of Celexa that I take daily to just provide some level of even temperament when it comes to my anxiety. I write. I mean, my content now, as you know, because you've, uh, you know, grace, gratefully uh, to you, I say this, you have watched my career. I now am in a position in my life and career where the content I make gets to be a part of my therapy. So I also really get to show up with all of who I am everywhere I go. And yeah. that is a part of my self-care. What do you want readers of all races, 
to, to take away from Bet on Black? Leave us with some of that good news you talked about earlier. Well, I do want to be clear. Um, I invite all people to read the book, as you say, all races. But I did write this book for Black people. Um, I, I think it's very clear in the writing. <laughs> uh, before I, at least, I'm going to spend energy and time correcting false narratives around Blackness for others, for white people specifically, I'm called to do the work of making sure that we as Black folk fully understand Blackness. And that's what this book is about. And the good news about it is, we simply get to center ourselves today in a way that we've never had the opportunity to do before. Yeah. Uh, and the good news about this book is my call to action is that we simply do it because we can do it. We don't have to wait for anyone's permission to do it. In fact, Douglas tells us power concedes nothing, never did and never will. That is what this book is about. It's about the, knowing that power will never concede anything to us. So we we have to take it. We've got to demand it. Yeah. And that's the good news about being black in America today is we get to demand it. And as you you mentioned, Douglas, there, I'm reminded of all the historical thinkers that make their way throughout this book, which is what makes it so good. Um, I know that you're knee deep in touring right now, Ebony, but can you <laughs> tease before we let you go? What's next for you? I, I just saw Equal Justice with Judge Ebony K. Williams. What? Order in the court, my dear. Yeah. Congrats. Judge Ebony K. Williams, thank you so very much. I'm so excited. I'm partnering with Byron Allen and his uh, media empire on this. Uh, It's really an expansion of our relationship where I currently host the Griot every day uh, on the Griot Network uh, with Ebony K. You know, this is just God. Again, call me preachy, call me teachy. I don't give a damn. Just call me God's. You know, this is God doing doing his thing and showing up. Um, And this is I always wanted to manifest a court show and a certain kind of court show, Sasha. The genre is very lucrative. A lot of people have made a lot of money off of court shows. And sometimes to me, they've always been at the expense of further ridiculing blackness. I'm going to be very candid around Mm. that. And so I've always kind of struggled with the format. So I went to Byron and I said, listen, if we can do a court show that honors the authenticity of, of cultural competency of blackness and others, you know, my courtroom will be multifaceted. But there, I think you know what I'm talking about when we talk about a certain type of energy that shows up with black litigants in these court shows. Absolutely. That, and the, the clips that continue to play on social viral, media. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I'm not doing that. You will never see that in Judge Ebony K. Williams' courtroom, baby, because I don't have to do that. That, that, that. That's the part that they didn't even get from Roni. I actually get to be charismatic, entertaining, engaging, compelling without the shenanigans. I don't do shenanigans and I don't do stereotypes. That's what they see content creators, in my opinion. So um, I I don't need to, I won't. We're going to really show a court show that is absolutely engaging, very entertaining, with just honoring the truth of what's going on today. And I'm very excited about it. Yeah, very excited for you. That's Ebony K. Williams. Her new book, Bet on Black, The Good News About Being Black in America Today, is out now wherever books are sold. Ebony, thank you so much. This was great.